Good afternoon and good morning to you. <laughs> uh, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, Donna. Look, thanks for the for being on the show. Um, my name's Jack Ellum. Um, I write uh, thriller books, mystery, crime, suspense, uh, domestic thrillers. Uh, my first book came out in 2017, 2018. And I've got, look, I'm completely independent. I have no agent, um, no publishing company behind me, um, apart from Amazon KDP, uh, no publicist, nothing. And um, my domestic thriller, Millpoint Road, was the one that really uh, broke me into um, publishing. And that hit number one in the US and the UK uh, charts on Amazon um, in six categories um, in 2019. So I've been writing for a couple of years before that, but um, I started off with um, a bit of dystopian uh, thrillers and then I switched to more of crime, mystery and suspense. And when Millpoint Road took off, um, I guess everything else changed from there. Awesome. And did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? I look, I, my father was very, um, no, you like he was, he had a set path me when I was young. He was an engineer. So he was very um, black and white, very uh, logical from there. And it was, you know, go to university, get a degree and, um, and stay in a career for the next, you know, 40 years. And which was fine. I went down that path. Um, but maybe probably 20 years ago, I tried writing a book. I thought, look, I, I was an avid reader. And this is the thing in, in, in primary school and high school. Um, I played sport, but I was an avid reader. And I guess that's, that's where it came from, from, a, from an early age. I was, um, I guess I started off on all the Doctor Who books, you know, when I was eight years old, was eight, nine, all the little, you know, those target ones that used to come out that were thin as anything. And I used to, I nearly had them all. And I, I used to read a lot. And so I guess the love of reading, the extension of that was to write. So that maybe 15 years ago, I think 1995, I had, a, I had a go at writing a book and it was shocking. So I parked that aside and I said, no, I've got that, that urge out of the way and um, be serious now and, and get a career and do a job and everything else. So I parked that for about 15 years, built up a business and I always had this idea in the background that look, I'll, I will give it another another shot. Um, once all year, you know, you've got commitments and mortgages and everything else. I didn't want to be a starving writer at the end of the day. Um, so, in 2016, while I was um, with my business, I started writing uh, a couple of stories um, after hours on weekends, getting up early, the usual thing that. That people do when they when they start off um, writing they just cram it in when they can with their work commitments and i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it i was different i was a, a bit older then and then i decided look i'm going to sell my i took the plunge i literally took the plunge um i had the view of um, burning the bridges i sold my business and said no i'm going to do this full time for give it a year and see what happens and yeah and it was it was it was great it was um that's that's the jump that i made so i guess a long way to answer your question is yes there was a, a lot of people at the end of the day so oh, look when they retire i'll become an author you know i'll i'll it'll be like my hobby and you can't approach it like that but i i did have the that in a way i, I thought when i get older i'll just and everything's done and the kids have grown up i'll i'll try and write a bestseller but um, yeah, so it's it's it worked out quite well, but it's it's a lot of hard work. 
And why did you choose um, dystopian first and then why did you go to crime? I think <laughs> uh, people like I get, I get budding authors um, starting out and say, I don't know what to write. You know, I don't, what do I, I'm no good at, and I, and I had this idea and I had no idea what to write. And then someone said to me, another author said, look, go to your, your DVD cabinet or this is before, you know, streaming was really big and look at all the DVDs you've bought. You know, what is that telling you? Go to your bookshelf and look at all the, the types, the genres of books that you've bought. And I looked at my DVDs and I thought, geez, there's a lot of sci-fi and a bit of dystopian here. And, and if that's subliminally what I, it's telling me to write, uh, what I, so write what you enjoy, what, what you enjoy reading, what you enjoy watching. So that's why I started off on the, on the dystopian side, um, because I like that, that idea. And this was, this was, I guess, before um, everything sort of went down that slant of, you know, the Hunger Games and everything else. Um, my, my view was that, look, I like dystopian. Um, I like a bit of sci-fi, so maybe write in that. I wasn't going to world build. I wasn't going to do fantasy. That was that. Oh, I'll give credit to anyone who writes fantasy. Goodness me. Um, like Brandon Sanderson, I give him credit um, like for what he writes and for, for the, the volume of, of complexity. The, the same with George R.R. R. Martin. It's, it's phenomenal, but I, didn't, I wanted something that, was, that I would enjoy reading. And then I switched purely because I guess... I, I took a commercial view and thought, well, while it is a decent genre and a big, a, a big genre, um, crime, mystery and suspense, I then looked at my, when, when I got Netflix and I looked at all my list of things that I had I wanted to watch on Netflix and, and um, HBO, a lot of it was crime thrillers. A lot of it was UK, British, UK crime thrillers. Brilliant stuff. I was a big fan of Prime Suspect, just loved Helen Mirren. Um, when I was watching that in the 80s and the 90s. And it's, it's a bit sad because when you look at my list of, of um, shows to watch um, on, you know, BBC iPlayer and everything else, it's, it's a bit depressing. It's all about death and murder. Um, and then I started listening to podcasts, true crime podcasts, and I thought, no, I'm just fascinated with that idea. Um, so I thought, well, let's do a let's do a different type of book. Let's do a not, not a police procedural, but let's look at a, a domestic thriller where you can bring in certain elements of everything, every genre. What's the most interesting thing you found while researching your books? The most interesting, as in, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, the one of the most twisted. <laughs> awesome. And I, and I, you may not, you may edit this out. But when I was doing Ravenwood, which was book two in the Millpoint Road, in the Ravenwood series, the, the sequel to Millpoint Road, um, there's a villain in there that um, had his penis cut off. <laughs> okay. So um, I had to work out how someone would urinate <laughs> without a penis, the complexities of it. And it turns out dogs are the benchmark how dogs urinate. <laughs> so I had to, to, because it had to be authentic, like, and, and I wanted to bring that in. I wanted the reader to feel the frustration this guy had. He's, he's a not, a, he's, he's a, he's a complete psychopath. And he got into a fight and as a result, he lost his appendage, but I wanted the audience to feel the readership to feel, okay, 
the, the frustration um, that he felt that the fact that he, um, it was difficult to urinate for him. So I had to do a bit of research and the, the biggest and the best research, weird research came back was that um, apparently you cock your leg like a dog <laughs> to avoid urinating on yourself. So yeah, the, the delightful things like that <laughs> at the end of the day. But I put it into the book and and because I wanted to be authentic, I wanted people not just to dismiss, I wanted to feel his his anger and his frustration and, and the fact that he was mentally an animal and now physically he had to behave like an animal. And I guess that was the penance that that the price he had to pay. That's it. I don't think any of the other all the guests have come up with that one. I don't know. That's, yeah, that's a first. <laughs> yeah, good. I wanted it to be a, like, we can talk about, you know, uh, researching body comp decomposition and DNA and everything, but that's, that's run of the mill. I, I like putting something unique into each of my books. Um, and probably a question that you've never been asked before. If you were to be a victim in a book, how would you like to be killed? Poison. <laughs> Slow acting. <laughs> <laughs> Not like Joffrey out of Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I want something slow acting with, with no agony. Look, it's, yeah, I guess poison while in bed. <laughs> yeah, I think, and obviously if that's the case, it would have to be a woman who's, uh, who's going to murder me if that was the case. Because women prefer poison, so I've been told. So I've been told as well. Yes. And if you were to kill someone, how would you kill them? Hmm. That is interesting. <laughs> I think <laughs> this is going to sound really, really, it depends. Like it's, if it's a, a victim of rage or a victim of retribution, it's, I would like to kill, look, I can, um, I would shoot them. Simple as that. Yeah. I would just, it was, um, I've done a fair bit of um, handgun training in the, in the States, in the US. Um, and yeah, I would, if I had to go out and premeditated, I'd shoot them. That's interesting because obviously in this country, we don't have guns really. So that's never, mm. it doesn't come up. So yeah, I guess it's what you can get, it's, it's what you can get access to. Okay. Um, you know, I might just run them down. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised more people don't say that. One person said that they'd just shove them off a cliff, which, you know, made sense to me. But Yeah, but you, you've got to find a, you've got to find a convenient cliff. Well, he lives near Whitby, I think, so he lives near the oh, sea, so it made Whitby. sense. Whitby, that's where Bram Stoker wrote Dracula. Yes. Whitby and the cathedral up there. It's beautiful. I've got a character that's based in Whitby. I think that's where James Cook, the... Um, the sailor, I think he, he was born in Whitby. I believe so. I've heard that as well, I think. Yeah, there you go. Small world. Yes, indeed. Um, without spoilers, what's been the most fun scene that you've written and what's been the most difficult? Oh, um, I had to kill someone off in my dystopian book, in a guy I really liked. Um, um, and he was he was sac innocent guy. He was... Um, he was he was sacrificed in the book, and it was it was sad because he was um, with Octagon, uh, 
they're competing in a, in a game and the weak obviously don't survive. And this guy was picked on my hero was sheltering him and protecting him and stepping in. And when he was bullied and everything and the people running the game saw that and out of pure cruelty, they singled him out to fight one of their um, combatants who was way above in skill level. It'd be the equivalent of me hopping into the ring with, um, um, Anthony Joshua, someone like that. <laughs> it was that one-sided and it was that, it was just sending a lamb to the slaughter, but they were there to prove a point. And I actually cried when I wrote that scene, I actually cried um, because it I had to stop um, writing and I had a moment because it was really sad because I liked, I liked the character. Um, but I had to show the cruelty of, of, of the moment. So that was probably the most difficult scene to write. I think the most interesting, the most funny scenes I write, I do put a bit of humour into my, my thrillers, which is strange, but um, in Millpoint Road, there's a, there's a woman, one of the, uh, the women who live up there, one, there's five women that live up on, in the skater community, and her name is Paige Hamill. And she's very clever and very intelligent, and she has a, a misbehaving husband. So he seems to think that she, know, he, he, she knows nothing about what he gets up to on the internet or behind the scenes. And he has various affairs with women, but she's very clever and she, she knows everything that he does. And I have certain scenes where um, he would, you know, he, she would reveal subtly things that he's been doing on the internet in, in these really cryptic messages and cryptic notes. And yeah, I really like writing, um, you know, I really like writing her. So I get most of the fun out of writing for Paige Hamill. Do you hide any secret jokes or messages in your books that only a few people would understand? Um, there's a lot of, I guess, not secret messages. I get into trouble. I get into trouble when I, um, when I do write certain lines in there and certain, you've got to think of the character. Like there's another character, Maggie Vickerman in there who is, you know, in her seventies and she's got a string of, of young men, um, and she has a husband that spends all day on the internet and, and their relationship is, is sort of um, fractured. But I think I put, I put subtle things in there, um, uh, certain hidden, hidden clues as to, as to what she gets up to um, at the end of the day. It's, and no, I, I don't look, I've got Easter eggs. I put Easter eggs in there because I'm starting to now with some of my books have crossovers into it with the Ravenwood series. So um, if you if you read some of the other um, series that I have, you'll you'll see hidden things that are in there, certain towns and characters. Um, so um, it's worthwhile reading um, probably all the books at the end of the day. But you have, kind of have to say that anyway, don't you? <laughs> but no, look, it was I guess it, yeah, it was a decision that I made when I when I built out the Ravenwood series. I wanted to to create a universe around these women um, and readers basically said, look, we want to know this character that you wrote in another series. And I said, and I came up with the idea of, well, there's going to be crossovers into, into this Ravenwood series where you'll see characters return and, um, you know, people will cross paths from there. And if you were to choose one of your characters to take out for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? Oh, geez, that's a hard question. <laughs> one of my characters to take out for a meal. Um, wow. I just, 
I think Paige Hamill like from from Mill Point Road. Okay, she's yeah, she's. Um, and I guess I'd ask her, why are you still with your husband? Like he's an absolute loser, and she knows it. But to her, it's about you know, it's about appearance. It's about having a a, a, um, a family unit that stays together. Um, her father's a U.S. senator. Um, who's going to be running for for office and she can't have this it's going to look bad they've just had a child and it's going to look bad if they suddenly get divorced so she's very much about appearance so I'd ask her you know what would it take for you to leave you know to leave your husband he's indiscretions he's 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 well and truly down that path Um, so I think I think she just likes manipulating him so do you have any phobias and would you write about them Spiders. Really? I have an arachnophobia. I just, and I'm in Australia. We have the biggest, like seriously, they're like the size of dinner plates. Yeah, it's, I can't stand them. Um, spiders is my biggest f- fear. And funny, no, I haven't, I haven't written. Um, I'm not scared of the dark. I'm not scared of heights. I've got a character in, in um, Haley Perez, who's a detective in Mill Point Road. She's, it's not until the second book um, you realise that she's, she's scared of the dark um, because she was locked under the stairs when she was a child um, and that a lot and not because she misbehaved either. Um, and so that's, that's probably the only phobia that, that I, I explore in, the, in that series from there about, you know, fear of the dark, um, maybe because it's fear of the unknown, but it's very much a childhood fear that comes back to her. And, and she, it, it does, it does, um, cripple her in some in some as you can imagine she's pursuing villains who you know tend to do their business in dark basements and um cellars and everything else it's it's kind of a um a hindrance for her so she struggles with with darkness and is there anything that you would never write um never write no because I'm writing from, if I'm writing from a character, like character's point of view, it's not me. Um, if I'm, you know, if a character's killing someone or abusing someone or there's a rape involved or um, like these are adult thrillers. Um, there are some parts you cannot, you know, you cannot sugarcoat it. So there's nothing, you know, pedophiles. Um, I haven't, I haven't touched on necrophilia, but that's always possible down, down the path. But I write about twisted characters. It's not me personally. It's about the character. It's it's what they are doing, um, from that perspective. So no, I wouldn't. Um, there's nothing I would not write about, um, from 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 that perspective. Because you and readers have to understand this. And I do get backlashes. Like I had some terrible backlash for some of the scenes in Mill Point Road, um, with Maggie Vickerman's husband, who I mentioned before, Hank, who's who's. Um, likes watching, you know, child abuse videos, and you don't find that out till halfway through the story. Um, but that's a fact. It's it's an ugliness that that you can't hide from, and I guess it highlights the um, that this does happen, no matter you know how rich or poor you are, whatever country you live in. You know, people think that well, I'm I'm in a a really developed country, and and heinous crimes like that only happen in the third world. You know, sex trafficking and slavery. And I'm saying, no, it's happening in some of the most wealthiest 
cities, the wealthiest towns in the wealthiest countries. And you have to highlight that fact. And, and the thing about Mill Point Road is that because it's a gated community, you think that everything's wonderful. And, you know, these people are all wonderful, uphold, you know, you know, righteous citizens of the world. And they're not. I think money, wealth, not for everyone, but money and wealth um, corrupts. Um, and it, perver it, it, it creates perversions in people because, you know, and look at the, you look at the, the recent headlines with Jeffrey Epstein and, and so on from there, like a billionaire. And I think, you know, I think there's more billionaires that, that, that have dark and murky hobbies that, that you'll never know about. So nothing is off, off limits. Good. I like people that say that because it mm. doesn't hide that it happens if you don't write mm. about it. So that's it. Yeah. Um, if you were to team up any of your characters with any other fictional detectives to solve a crime, who would you choose? Uh, from other authors, other fictional characters? From other yeah, or from... TV or anything. Oh, look, oh, I just, if I could, if I could get um, Sigourney Weaver playing Ellen Ripley, to become a detective in one of my books, that would be interesting. And she could team up with one of my characters. Um, and I have it on my website when someone asked one of the Q and A's on there on my website. I said, I said when 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 um, Ellen Ripley was created, she was she was really the genesis of strong, dependent, you know, independent women, you know, kicking ass and everything else at the end of the day. And I thought, well she's my favorite character and she's my favorite actress. So I'd love her to team up with um, Ben Shaw, who's in my um, No Justice series, um, because Ben can be a bit conservative. He's, he still gets things done, but he's, he's, he's not a, he tries to, um, you know, hold back his temper at the end of the day. But if I could team up with Ellen Ripley, um, it'd be great from there. No aliens involved, just uh but but she'd treat she'd treat villains like aliens. I think at the end of the day, <laughs> she'd go after them. Have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Funny enough, no. It's it's uh, it's. I'm not a big fan of going to conventions just for the sake of it. Um, I I'm good friends. Um, Peter James is probably the, the exception. Um, uh, I met Peter James at Thriller Fest and yeah, we became friends, had a drink and, you know, just stay in touch. I, I, and I do like Peter James, um, the, the British author, brilliant author um, for the Roy Gray series. And, um, but I don't go specifically to a lot of conferences and uh, I go there if I'm going to, um, you know, talk to, to key people and, and so on from there or, or, or invites, but I don't really have a big, um, um, group of, of authors that I, that I'm, um, that I chat to. It's, it's a very, it can be quite a lonely existence. Like you're, you're writing, it's yourself. Um, I know a lot of authors, um, too, that will not know them personally, but i I guess I've, I've familiar with a lot of authors that do a lot of the conferences and they spend almost a third of the year not writing or half of the year not writing because they're visiting around um, certain places. But no, I don't have a, a huge friend, but that may change in, you know, two years, 
the last past two years has been quite quite difficult. Um, I'd love to to travel more, and I'd love to get to meet authors more from from that basis. But um, I, I just don't have a huge pool of author friends at the moment. You get much feedback from your readers. Yes, um, and I want honest feedback. I want. I have an advanced reader group, and I tell them every time, "Look, I don't want nicety. I want you to tell me what's wrong, what what's bad." What doesn't work? What's what's cliched in in my books? Um, and it's oh, it's good. I'm not interested. In what's good? I'm interested in what's bad. And and I really value that feedback. It's it's critical. It's 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 vital at the end of the day. And I have, and people say I'm not. You know, I'm not. I don't have an ego um, or pretentious enough to say well stuff them they don't know what they're talking about that character works well i will i will change and i have i have changed things if i see a a pattern of hey that that ending or that chapter why would that character do that if i see enough feedback then i will go back and rewrite because it's it's i'm writing for my readers at the end of the day have you had any strange or unusual feedback or um reviews um I do get, and every author will get this, I will get one-star reviews from other authors wondering if it's, if it's um, under different pseudonyms um, and, and because I've gone back and I can just tell some of the reviews that they're not, they haven't really read the book, they're not verified sort of purchases and you'll get someone that's maybe it's out of jealousy or um, out of... Um, you know, out of, I guess, just envy at the end of the day for, for some of the success that I've had. And, and look, if you genuinely don't like the book, then just say you don't, gen- but give me a reason why you don't like it, um, you know, from that perspective. Um, I haven't had, I've had, look, I've had probably the, the best review I've ever had. And it's not someone telling me how great the book was or how great the character was or, you know, you're a wonderful author, that's all well and good, was a woman that posted a review that said, your book got me through a really difficult time um, in my life. And there were hints of um, depression and um, what goes with that. Um, and I thought that was such a touching and, and that's really, you know, what makes my job great. Things like I'm not worried about, you know, it's great to, you know, have a number one bestseller and it's great to have, you know, two or 3,000, you know, reviews and everything else. But that one review made everything worthwhile. I would, I would keep writing if I just had that one review and the rest were crap <laughs> from, from there. And that was it. That was your book got me through a really difficult stage in my life. I was going through some issues and, and I thought, well, I've helped one person <laughs> from that side of it. And I don't even write romance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says quite a lot about us readers, actually, doesn't it? <laughs> What's that? As in that we, that we can get through bad mental illness with crime and murder and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it's look, it's escapism. You want escapism. Um, you, you want you, for for my aim is if if just for five minutes while you're in a queue, or while you're on the on the tube, or while you're queuing for your coffee or lunch break, I can just take you out of your your world for a moment and put you somewhere interesting and you forget about all your worries and your troubles and the boss and the dog and the cat and the, 
um, the relatives and all the pressures of life and, and some of the, um, the bad news, then that's what I, that's, then I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. If you were able to spend a day with any author dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Wow. Any author dead or alive. Ah, oh, that's extremely hard. It's really, oh, I think, I don't, I, it's, I've never really thought about that. I, I, I like, wow, that's really, that's a hard question. There's so many good authors out there, you know, so many of them, but if I could spend, dear, I really, I like Joe Nesbo. I really do the um, uh, Norwegian, I believe. I, I, I like, I like, I, I'm fascinated. I have no idea how his mind works at the end of the day. Some of the things that uh, um, he comes up with. So I guess from a, a male perspective, have a, spend a, uh, some time with Joe Nesbo and just pick his brain um, from there. If, if I had a female author, I'll squeeze one in. A female author, I think, um, Margaret Atwood. Um, I'd love to, um, you know, um, spend some time with her and pick her brain. Simple as that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> when you're not writing, how do you like to spend your time? Reading. Just, just reading. Yeah. Look, it's 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 I call it's it's a treat to me. It's it's okay if I hit my word count for the day, I can go and read. <laughs> read a book which is insane because I'm still looking at words on a page or words on a screen um I do a lot of running I've 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 got back into running which is great I listen to podcasts while, while I run while I jog um but it's just Donna it's just a simple pleasures like I'm not it's just a simple like if I can sit and open up my kindle for for 30 minutes and escape myself from the mayhem that I've been writing about. Um, you know, I just, if I can, you know, swap from one story to another, that's, I just, it's just simple things. Sitting, sitting in the sun, sitting on a deck, um, sitting, you know, in a, in, in a cabin or in, in the woods or by the ocean, sitting on the beach, just reading. That's it for me. Um, and doing a bit of exercise. I, I don't have many, uh, many requirements. I'm low maintenance. My wife might, might say that, uh, might disagree with that. Do you have a top read of 2021? Beg your pardon? Do you have a top read of 2021? The best read? Uh, the Kingdom by Joe Nesbo. Yeah, it's it's a standalone. It's, it's different to his um, Harry Hole series. And I'm thinking when I, when you're like, 50 pages into a book or 20 pages into a book and then you flip to the back and go, oh God, it's only 600 pages long. I better stretch this out. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was first person, but it was just, if you want to, and this is probably something for your, um, your, your, your listeners. If you want to write really good first person point of view, then Joe Nesbo's The Kingdom is, is, I've never read First Person Point of View, where you actually are so in your character's head. It's a book about crime, but there's no, the crime's irrelevant. It's, it's all about the character. It's such a character-driven book that it just pulls you in. And it's, it's my best, it's, I'm thinking, my God, you took 
you know, 10 years to write this book. And I don't, and the sad thing about it is he's not going to, I can't imagine it's not going to be a series. The characters in the book, it's a heart wrenching book, um, but it's, it's my best pick, The Kingdom for 2021. But, and I picked it up on a chance. I was in a, a secondhand bookshop and I stumbled across a pristine copy and I looked at it, uh, Joe Nesbo, it's not part of his Harry Holt. I put it back, went out the store, went, oh, okay, I'll read it. Came back and bought it. And I couldn't put it down. It was just, that's the type of book where you're trying to steal, um, you know, time away, squirrel away little times while you're in the corner somewhere. <laughs> he said, I'm just, I'm just going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Half an hour later. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's my best. That's my top pick for 2021. And it's sad because when I got to the end, that was the end of it. But the characters are brilliant. Yeah, I love those books. Mm. Um, Have you heard of um, You Don't Know Me by Imran Mahmood? No. Oh, I've heard of the author, but I don't know. I haven't haven't, uh, seen the book. That's that's quite a unique um, story because it's first person as well. And it's literally a guy on a witness stand giving a closing statement is the whole book. And oh, wow. It's just brilliant. It's okay. very, very good. And they've just turned it into a TV series, actually. What's it called? I'm going to write that down. You Don't Know Me. Okay, I'll have to have a look. Sounds like one of the lines one of my killers would say towards the end of the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It makes sense no when you read it as well. Okay, that's no, I'll have to have a look at that one. Yeah, not that it's my top read, but then I can narrow mine down to less than 26, I think. So, oh wow, <laughs> read some amazing books this year. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, geez, these are hard questions. <laughs> celebrity crush, um. Wow, this is, I have a, I wouldn't say maybe an affliction, to be honest, if um, Emily Blunt, like from, from a British point of view, okay, and that's that, that was late in my life, okay, late in life for me, <laughs> yeah, but um uh, yeah, Emily Blunt. She she yeah she ticks so many boxes. We've run out of boxes. Um, and I'll give you a US one too. Jessica Chastain. Um, that's it. Simple as that. That's and that's me coming. And that's not as a kid. Like I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really have any celebrity crushes when I was a kid. I was, you know. Yeah, but no, those are my two favorite favorite females from. If I had a crush on, yeah, from there. And I secretly do. <laughs> <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she'd want to beat me up. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> she'd put me in a headlock. That's it. <laughs> uh, but what's the strangest place you've woken up? The strangest place? Um, wow. I, I woke up. I was out with friends one night. This is going back to my college years. And I, a good friend of mine, Grant, and we went out, had a great time one night. And there's like a block of time I can't remember. Um, 
and I woke up in someone's apartment, in someone's bed, uh, didn't know whose bed, whose apartment, um, but there was a dog sleeping beside me with its head on the pillow. <laughs> and, that was, and it was, yeah, and that was the most, and it was looking at me. I don't, and this is a scary thing. I had a funny feeling it'd been staring at me all night. <laughs> that was that was the strangest place I've ever woken up. <laughs> it's a weird visual, that one. And I promise the dog I'll I'll, I'll call you. <laughs> Never did. Oh, that poor dog, heartbroken. <laughs> That's it. Sitting by the phone. <laughs> As dogs do. Waiting for it to ring. Yeah. Poor thing. That's it. Pardon the pun. <laughs> there you go. I made you laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's too cool. <laughs> Just that image. Oh, that's cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is broken down. Yeah, that's it. We've lost it now. <laughs> no. I know I could be successful. <laughs> um, if you're able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go? Oh, dear. Um, forwards or backwards. I, I'd love to go to, I think, the 1950s um, in, in just post-war USA just that time when everything was just um, happening in terms of technology and terms, nothing was, nothing was, um, America went through that boom period of industrialization and um, that was on the back of, of World War II. And um, it was just an exciting time. I love, I love Hitchcock movies. I love, um, you know, Rear Window and I love, um, North by Northwest, and that period of time when um, America was going through that great boom of of prosperity and um, invention and everything, I'd love to. I'd love to, and I'd love to be, you know, during that during that time. I'd love to travel back and. Um, it's almost like when you um, um, during those during that Kennedy uh, era, it would it was just probably a, just everything was just you know wonderful and inventive and and mankind is just making great inroads into everything, space and technology and, and, and science. And it was just a great period of time. Yeah. Have you read um, Stephen King's book set in that period? Yeah, I've just, I've, it's, it's about partway through. Um, and I, I, I've started also watching the, the TV show with uh, James Franco. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's that, uh, it, it was just a time of, Look, it was a time, I guess, not of innocence, of time of where um, everything was, was, it just seemed like a more happier period of time, um, a more time like happy days and innocence and, you know, Richie Cunningham and, and Buddy Holly and, and everything that was happening during that period. It was just a great time where, you know, people left their doors unlocked, uh, neighbours were, were neighbours and everyone was more friendly and now it's, it's, it's the, world is, the world is really a different place. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, mm. And I loved Stephen King's book for exactly that reason. 
Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. he's a great writer anyway, but it does feel like you're transported back to that era. And it was, yeah, yeah it was amazing. It was one of my top books ever. Yeah, and he has that cynicism too because he's comparing modern day back to then and, you know, everything, apart from the cost of everything was so cheap, but it was just a different culture, a different, a different, a different type of respect for people um, from, from that side of it. So are you working on anything at the moment and what's coming next for you? Uh, I'm doing the third, the third book in the Ravenwood series called The Sisterhood. So that, that will be out um, mid-April. And I'm also writing some short stories on Kindle Vella. I've got a, a short story, uh, Audrey Kills Again, which is an episodic uh, show from um, one of my writing ideas that I had. And look, I'm probably going to be, be producing four books um, in 2022. I took a bit of a hiatus in 2021. I, I'm, uh, I wrote a... Uh, I guess a pilot for a, a, a book that is very much uh, TV focused, a, a crime uh, TV show um, in the same vein as um, Law and Order. And that's called Murder School. And that will be coming out in February. And that's very much a, a fast paced thriller um, where we throw together a, a, just a, a group of unlikely heroes um, that um, some are law enforcement, some are outside law enforcement. They don't like each other, but they're thrown together to, to try and stop this group of, of villainous um, murderers who are playing this game in New York City where they can try and um, carry out the most heinous public crime possible for points. So it's a bit of the Hunger Games meets um, Law and Order. And um, it's, it's, that's coming out. And, and that's a really, that was a really fun book to, but I want to build that out into a series. So, and so Ravenwood is the, the series that I'm focusing on and uh, Murder School will be coming out in, in, in February as well. And I've got, a, I've got another series, uh, The Killing Seasons, um, based in the US. All my, all my books are based in the US. And uh, I'll be finishing off that series in, in 2022 as well. And that's it. Well, that's plenty. Yes. <laughs> that's quite a lot. <laughs> um, well, I can't think of any more questions for you unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to tell us about. No, look, that's look, I really it's it's been really fun. It's been great. It's the questions have been some of them have been extremely challenging and and I'm gonna think about them afterwards. <laughs> about <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but no, it's it's been great. It's been great. And and look, I really appreciate and I hope look I've given some, you know, ideas and some a few insights into 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 what I do and, and what's involved for, for your for your readers and for your followers as well. So before we go, would you just like to remind everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books from? Look, uh, everything's on can go through my website. It's um, jklm e double dot com, and uh, yeah, everything's on on my website. I've social media's all linked through there. All my book links are through there. A bit of background on myself. So just yeah, just go to my website and and you'll find everything. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Donna, for this.